welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. everybody and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Anthony Whitaker, and this episode is being released on Tuesday 22nd of September. I want to take this opportunity to also invite you to a free masterclass one hour webinar with me on Monday the 28th of September titled The Five Lessons to Unlocking Your Salon's Potential. If you're a hairstylist or salon owner, it is essential listening. So you need to go to growbusinessschool.com forward slash register to enable you to attend. So once again, that's growbusinessschool.com forward slash register if you want to attend this free masterclass. I'll also put that link in this podcast's show notes. Okay, so let's get on with today's show. I once heard it said that every business is now a technology business, and I believe that that statement to be true today more than ever before. As a generalization, the hairdressing industry, though, has not always been what would be called early adopters when it comes to embracing new technology, and that's often been to our detriment. But having relevant information that is constantly accessible is what is needed to run businesses efficiently. And for salons, having state-of-the-art point-of-sale software is the starting point. Like everything, there's a lot of point-of-sale systems on the market. And like everything, there's a lot of variation, not just in the technology, but also the innovation and the support and the customer service, etc. So my guest on today's podcast is a friend of mine, John Harms, who is the founder, owner, and CEO of salon software Millennium and Mevo 2. I always love talking to John because he has a great insight into the salon industry and some of the facts around it because of the unique insights that he has into the back end of the reporting systems in salons. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss the six most important growth indicators, the importance of client retention, the changing salon business models, online bookings, and the impact of COVID, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, John Harms. Hey, thank you, Anthony. Uh, really excited to be here and uh, talk to you today, buddy. It's really good to have this opportunity. We've had some great conversations over the years, and it's really good to get you on the podcast and and share your wisdom with our listeners. I uh, last night, you know, I was doing a bit of preparation before we got on this call, and I was on YouTube and and uh, I, I stumbled across a video uh, of yours, and it was uh, your 2019 end of year review, and I thought, oh, I better check this out. So I I had to listen to it and I had to laugh because in in this video, which was only a couple of minutes long, you said, 2020 looks really exciting. (laughs) And I I laughed to myself. I thought, Christ, if only he could know just how exciting 2020 has been. Well, we have to admit it's been exciting, just maybe not in a very positive way. Yeah. It's been exciting. I think we'll all remember it. Yeah, you're not kidding. Let's uh, let's get to 2021 uh, sooner rather than later, and uh, yeah, start with a clean sheet. So, John, let's uh, let's start off. A lot of my audience uh, will know who you are, uh, but a lot of my audience won't know who you are. So, I like to start off with uh, getting everyone to 
sort of introduce himself and uh, to do their sort of, you know, three or four minute backstory. So who is John Harms and uh, how did Millennium slash uh, Mevo uh, come about? So the floor is yours uh, for your five minute backstory. Sounds great. So I was a young 16 year old programmer at a perfect time. I think about 33 years ago when Apple was coming out with their stuff and Microsoft was coming up with their stuff. And it's hard to believe for a lot of listeners that people didn't have computers at home much back then in 1986. Um, so it was just a good time frame of being able to launch something, an idea. And so I had a bunch of different ideas, but the way I got pulled into the beauty industry is I was designing office automation software at the age of 16 for a company called Services for Product Development in Tannersville, Pennsylvania. And the lady that I worked for went to a salon across the street. And she told the salon across the street, there's this guy building software for my office. It's amazing. She said she'd like to meet me. Um, and she said, well, what's his name? She said, John Harms. She goes, there's an Angie Harms that works here. That's weird. That's a, not a common last name, at least here in the U.S. So uh, they uh, found out that my sister was a stylist and they wanted me to build some software. So here's where I like to joke and tell people, don't ever ask me for estimates because I'm terrible. I told her it takes six months to a year to write her software. 33 years later, I can't keep up with the industry. So, so uh, yeah, don't trust any timeframes. If I say I'm coming out with it next month, don't believe me. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. So I'm actually a programmer. So not many people in this space. A lot of people are marketing CEOs or, you know, come from other industries. And, and I actually just have a passion for development. But I've done those personality things where I'm really kind of schizophrenic a little bit. I, I'm left brain where I love math and I'm really good programmer. I'm right brain where I'm a drummer and I really love beautiful art. And, and, you know, even if you look at Mevo, our new software, it's, it celebrates the industry. It's colorful. It's simple. It's, it's, it doesn't just look like a website. So it's, I think that's why I've been successful. And I think I also tell people that I'm not the smartest in the room, but I think I've been one of the best listeners in the industry because the industry tells you what they want. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to listen and make sure your programmers build what they want, not what they think needs to be built. So I think that's why we've had a, a lot of success. And then my relationships with people like you, I mean, every time we sit and talk, I mean, they should just microphone us up every time we talk and we'd have podcasts for years. <laughs> we, you can't get us to stop. It's, you know, it's something we're very passionate about. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for a lot of our audience who, who don't have Millennium in their uh, their country or Mevo too, uh, M Millennium, just, just differentiate between the two. Millennium was your original point of sale system, wasn't it? Yeah. So Millennium is in uh, about 52 countries. Uh, it's our original point of sale system. You install it like kind of everybody used to with their software. Mevo 2 is our cloud product that's been out for three years. It's in about 22 countries as we continue to roll it out. Um, uh, but yeah, so Mevo 2 is our future. It's People wonder where the word Mevo came from. And, and our software was called Millennium, which is if you look up Millennium, you get 2 million hits on Google, right? So it's yeah. so many yeah. things called Millennium. So when we came out with Mevo, I said, I want it to be a word that we can get the .com, no problem. You know, it's easy to look up and it only comes up with our stuff. So originally we were thinking about calling Mevo uh, millennium evolution. So I decided to take the EVO from evolution, collapse it down on the M and the E and add an E because uh, we couldn't get the copyright on MEVO. So we added an E. So it's M-E-E-V-O, which is just short for millennium evolution. Okay. So that's our cloud product. 
Uh, and you're on the second generation of that now, which is Mevo 2, yeah? Yep. So Mevo 2 is, uh, we completely rewrote Mevo 1 so that it worked on any device. So yep. um, that's kind of our claim to fame is we're the only Solana Spa software out there right now where the entire system works soup to nuts on um, everything, a phone, an iPhone, a Samsung, um, a tablet, a PC, a Mac. Um, in its entirety. So it's not like you get this limited app for this little piece of it. The entire thing works. Um, and that uh, we were able to do by rewriting this whole thing with the more modern uh, tools that are available. So so it's exciting. Um, I'm mo mostly excited about the business side of beauty, um, which you know, but it's also nice to know we finally got the technology side right and the system's fast and it works on everything and people really enjoy that. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I, I know a little bit about Mevo too. Obviously I've, you know, presented at your conferences and, you know, we've done some stuff together at different Paul Mitchell gatherings, et cetera. Um, but, but talk to us about Mevo too. What is it that, because it is state of the art, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, if I had a salon, you know, uh, I'd be all over it. Um, but what is it that you think really sets it apart what's so special about it what, what what's your favorite uh you know component to mevo 2 so that's tough um you know i'm going to tell you one or two components but before i do that um generically i'll say i think what i love about mevo and it even goes back to millennium when people use our software they know i know or we know beauty so it's like the flow, the way it's prompting, the way it knows what clients do. And, you know, if a client's canceling or adding an appointment, we'll even check to see if they have the same appointment within a certain frequency that doesn't make sense to say, well, do you know that John has a haircut on Friday and he's booking a haircut today on Wednesday? So they can say, oh, I see you have an appointment on Friday. Would you like to cancel that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually just got out of work early. So I was going to slip in. So these little things that happen or... I, I could go on and on, but I think the beauty of Mevo and Millennium are the small little things that add up to, wow, this thing really works for my industry. So that's, that's the generic side. Specifically, uh, we have a, a patent on something called the combo bar, which is very unique. Combo bar, bar is short for conversation bar. And it, think about it like Google. Think about it like Alexa. You put mm -hmm. a command in there and mainly around the appointment book. And it's a natural language processor that understands what you're saying. So what I noticed in the industry is I would watch people at the front desk or even answering the phone book appointments. And the way it would go would be, hi, this is Anthony. Uh, I'd like to come in for men's haircut and a gray blending. Um, oh, I'm just kidding on the gray blending. That's really for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to come in for a gray blending and a haircut with Susie. But if she's not available, I, I don't mind if I went to Mark. Um, so then they would, I would watch them and they would let the client, they'd be polite, let the client spew out all this stuff. Then they would open the appointment book. Then they would mm -hmm. go to the first day. He said, you know, today, or I mean, Thursday or next Tuesday. So they'd go to Thursday and then they'd, they'd say, okay, I'm sorry, who, with who, <laughs> you know? And so I just see this slow, repeatable thing. So I said, man, what if we could capture what the client's saying? You know, even eliminate the, the the small words in between, like with and things like that, or you can keep it in there, yeah. or you can even talk into a microphone. So we built this thing called the combo bar. So things like you saying, I'd like a men's haircut and gray blending with Susie or Mark Thursday or next Tuesday. By the time you're done speaking and they capture those key words, Neva will morph an appointment book only showing Susie and Mark only showing Thursday and next Tuesday. And you immediately can um, 
uh, book that appointment. And not only that, this thing starts glowing in the top of the book that you touch and it lists every place that haircut and gray blending can fit. Yeah. So uh, we took booking down. I mean, what's more important to a salon, honestly, than their appointment book? Really, there's not much, mm-hmm. really. Besides the financials, that appointment book is gold to them. Mm-hmm. So to have something that really, truly makes it faster and works the way they know it should and needs to, uh, I think is probably one of the key features. And it's, since we have a patent, nobody else is going to be able to do it. So um, it's it's really cool. It takes an appointment booking from three minutes to 30 seconds, literally. Yeah. Yeah, that, so. that's. Uh, I'm glad you said that was your favorite bit. Uh, that's my favorite bit. I just think that's mm. it, it's incredible when I've seen that in action. So, um, we, we touched on something actually before we started recording, and I'm, I'm, we're going to dig in and out of this over the next 40 minutes or so. Um, and it, it, well, you you mentioned it a minute ago when you were talking about how Mevo 2 is cloud based and it's available on any you know device, whether it's a, a desktop or a tablet or your phone or whatever. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about is. How are salons using it most now on what sort of device? And more importantly, because I think this links into the world we're currently living in, is what's the trend? Where's it going? So people are surprised at this because when they first get it, they're still using their desktop PCs at the, or, or Macs at the front desk, uh, which I actually agree with. I mean, a little tablet when you're trying to book appointments I mean, it's convenient for mobile, but when you're at a stationary place at the front desk, I still suggest a PC or Mac if it, or, or, or a larger, uh, like a Surface or a larger iPad. Um, mm-hmm. But, but if, if you truly say what devices are used the most, it's phones. Because in the world today, we're starting to go deskless front desk. Everyone's, you know, especially with COVID and everything else going on, we want the client to be able to use their own phone. We want the, the, the you know, for the safety of our employees, we want them to be able to use their own device. So we've set up enough security in Mevo that allows you to have secure, security in the salon for the stylist. And then that security changes the minute they walk out the door. So maybe I don't want them to have any access outside the salon that works with Mevo. When they're in the salon, they can actually book, they can look up clients, they can do whatever those things that you allow them to do. But more importantly, one of the things that you and I will get into is our smart centers, what we call smart center dashboards in Mevo. So what's great about that is the stylist just is taking out their phone. And when they log in, the first thing they see are the KPIs you and I are going to get into a little bit later. So they're they're never going to guess what's my average ticket. You know, hey, uh, how much revenue have I done today? Have I hit my goal? Um, one of the decisions I made when I designed, I keep saying I, I mean, I help, I didn't code any of it. So I can actually say I on design and, and yeah, architecture, yeah. but this time, this is the first time I didn't code anything. I kind of hung up the, the coding and I, I realized my value is uh, making sure we build the right things right, uh, mm-hmm. rather than code every line of code. So one of the things I want is I said, what a waste when you go into software and the background is just a logo or a white screen. Why wouldn't the background be what we're passionate about? which is the KPIs and how they're doing. So when somebody whips out their phone, you know, to rebook that client that's still sitting in the chair, the first thing they see is their smart centers and they know exactly where they're at and they're able to rebook that client from their own phone. And it really just reduces the traffic at the front desk. It takes a mindset change though, as we both know, there's owners out there and managers out there that are listening to this right now going, I don't want my staff using their phone. But the truth of the matter is that ship has sailed. Like it, you know, Mm. what you want is security to make sure they're only able to do the things they should be doing uh, and, and take the time to make sure you set that security up correctly. But 
especially in light of the, you know, social distancing and, 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 uh, sanitary stuff, there's nothing more sanitary to somebody than using their own phone, not even going up and typing on a keyboard that everybody else is typing on, you know, and clients want to be able to pay using their own phone. And we'll get into that a little later too. We call that Vivo self pay. So the answer, long answer, but the answer is the most used device with Mevo are phones. It, it doesn't surprise me. And uh, as you said, there's a lot of saddle owners listening to this city going, I don't want to go there. But as you said, that ship has sailed. And, uh, yeah. you know, things like COVID have really, I, I think, have just sped that journey up. So something that might have taken two or three years has just been collapsed into two or three months. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about that. But that's, that's a whole new world. And I was curious as to, you know, how, how quick that trend was. And so, you know, people are, are, are booking on their phone. Uh, stylists are pre-booking clients in the salon on their phone. They're taking bills. They're, the whole lot's being done on their phone. But the key bit that you said, which maybe people didn't pick up on, is as soon as that stylist walks out the door, that information is no longer available on their phone. It's just being used as a device within the salon. I'm, I'm correct saying that, aren't I, around the security measures that yeah. there? Yeah. So that was important to me. I mean, again, I really pride myself in understanding this industry and I, I can literally walk in and talk to a salon owner and say, you know, I can, I'm not just a programmer or a guy that's, you know, served this industry. I really feel like I understand the mindset. I understand the logic of why they do what they do. I even understand some of the crazy commissions and not commissions that they do. And, um, but, but one of the things I truly understand is that they value their data. They value their client formulas. They value, uh, their client data and they want to make sure that it's protected. And, uh, so when we were, when we were designing Nevo, I said, one of the first things I said, we need to build something called IP restrictions, which means like kind of internet restrictions where just because I'm cloud doesn't mean I can go home and do everything I can do in the salon. So we created a way where it knows the Wi-Fi IP address, where you can actually have multiple IP addresses that are friendly, meaning, hey, yeah. when they're on these, uh, in, uh, on these uh, IP addresses, they can do this set of security. But the minute they're off-site, that security drops to this. And this might be nothing. Mm-hmm. This might be uh, they can just look at their own appointment book. And not see anybody else's appointment book. So when people see that and hear that, they really start to understand that we're originators and not really copiers. Now, again, not to bring up competition, I won't bring up names, but people like to copy what we do. But they don't Mm -hmm. understand the psychology of it. So they might come up with something that, let's say, drops the security. So there's no security if you leave the salon. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work in certain cases either. In certain cases, I want my manager to be able to pop in there and move an appointment or do something. So, so I think we, we do a good job of listening. We understand the industry and then we create things that um, are very unique and, and just resonate with the industry. And then one thing, like I said, whether it be that security I'm talking about there or letting a stylist or, or anybody else use their phone, um, it's a trust issue. Mm. So, you know, for them to feel comfortable, they need to trust the system is going to allow them to operate their salon in the way they want to. Um, And once we get them to understand that we've got such granular security that's going to protect them, then they're okay with it. But their overall thought when they hear my stylist is on the phone, oh, they're doing that from home, oh, they're going to be able to go and do all these other crazy things. The other thing that is great about letting them use their phone is I've had so many stories come in where the power went out. 
right? Yeah. And and they don't even have to panic. There's mm-hmm. if you've got twenty stylists, you've got twenty computers in there that are able to book, able to rebook, able to look up the client's formula. You know, there's certain services and blowouts you can't do without electricity. But what's pretty cool is that you literally don't have to worry about any power going out because every device you have in there can operate on Mevo. Yeah, yeah. I um I remember the first time I heard you speaking. You know, we were both at the same event and, and uh, you know, I'm up there with my flip chart and my marker pens. And I'm talking numbers and, and uh, you know, KPIs and things that matter. And and then you're up there and you're talking about, you know, Mevo, Millennium, and you're talking about exactly the same things. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy really understands our industry. And, uh, and you understand what drives it and the numbers and the psychology behind it, which is, you know, why when I said at the intro, I always... You know, I like talking to you because you because you get it. Um, it it's there's a there's a perfect mesh between you know the technology side and understanding the needs of the industry, and um, you know that's why I like your your data or data depending on what country you're in uh, because I know it's really well sourced and I know it's accurate and it, and it's, there's real science behind it and uh, and that's what I love. And you know th- there was one number that I've heard you talk about before, and if I'm really honest, I didn't even. I didn't give it the credence, if that's the right word, at the time that I do now. And uh, it was something that you said, and I actually bounced this off you again just recently to make sure that I was speaking, you know, the right numbers. Uh, and the reason I bounced it off you is because, you, you know, you are in how many how many salons are you in? Over fifteen thousand. Okay, so so you're in over fifteen thousand salons, and you know I, I don't want any salon owners at Amiibo Millennium listening to this, thinking that you're in the back end of their business, looking <laughs> looking at what's going on. But but obviously you have an insight into facts because numbers are facts, and and you have an insight into salons when they're being set up or when they're being converted, and 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 sort of seeing what is really going on, and the the. This, the data that I'm talking about is client retention. And uh, there was a, a sentence that you said once, and I, I wrote it down, underlined it, put asterisks next to it, and got my highlighter pen out uh, because it, it, to me, is such an important uh, statement. And it was what you said was this. You said that based on what you see in, in salons, so real numbers, real facts, if a salon gets 10 new clients today, the numbers are, that they're likely to only be getting 40% back a second time, so four out of 10. By the third visit, that's down to 25%, so two and a half out of 10. And by the sixth visit, you've got 10% client retention, so one client out of 10. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard that, when I see that, when I say it again now, I just look at it and I just go, there's a problem. Do you know what I mean? That's... That's the problem, isn't it? And, and I often wonder about the relationship, not just with social media with this, but hairdressers, period, are fixated on getting new business through the door. And it's like, look at the stats. The stats are saying, for Christ's sake, keep the ones you've got. That's where the gold is. That's where the magic is. If you can only keep 10% of clients after six visits, that's mental. That's, that's just, how do you build businesses like that? And I know there's going to be people listening to this thinking, that's not my salon. And look, maybe it isn't your salon. But if that is a fair representation of what's happening in a big percentage of salons out there, regardless of what country you're in, that's a big problem. So, so talk to us about that. 
Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. It doesn't matter what country. Um, this is a this is a global issue, and what happens is you're right. People are spending all kinds of money and so much effort getting those clients in the door, um, and then they might check just that first. I mean, depending on their software too, just check that first return visit. Okay, we're at mm. forty or fifty percent. Um, the way I figured this out is I was at a multi-location conference down in Florida and a guy came up to me at the pool and this is the way I work. And I was still coding back then. And he said, you know, the industry keeps saying this, you know, anywhere from 35 to 50% new client retention on the first return visit. He goes, that's impossible. I bring in over 150 new clients a month. And if that were true within two years, I couldn't even take another appointment. Yeah. And that's kind of all he said. I go, Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I know that's the, uh, the, the, the stat for the first return visit. He goes, yeah, but you know what? I wonder what it looks like after 10 visits or five visits. And he walks away. Well, that's it. My brain's going. I went <laughs> yeah. to the hotel that night, ate dinner, yeah. whipped out my computer and I wrote the industry's first new client retention over six visits report that ever existed. As a matter of fact, it's still the only one that exists. And I wrote that 15 years ago. And so I started running it on all kinds of salons data, including a guy that works for me, Bob McConey, who, you know, he's my vice president of enterprise yeah. sales. He owns two salons. So I run it on his data. I show him, he's like, there's no way that's right. 8% after six visits, he goes, no, that's not right. So then I actually print out the data to show him, here's the client, here's when they stopped coming in. And, you know, he had hundreds, I think over a thousand clients in so many months that never came back. And so it was just an eye opener. So then I started doing it across the masses. And I, what I found out is it was normal. It wasn't like, you know, kind of an edge case type of thing. It yeah. was 80% of the salons I looked at by the third and fourth visit had a major fall off. And by the sixth visit, eight to 10%. And, and I could do it over and over and over. So I said, wow, there's a problem here. Now, the, the question is, you know, what is the problem? I'm not sure what the problem is, and it's probably not something technology on its own is going to uh, solve. Part of it is that rebook on that first visit is so important, uh, but it needs to be equally important on that third visit. Um, mm -hmm. I think we always put in extra effort in those first couple visits. Um, I even know salons that use a different colored cape if it's a new client, so everybody in the salon knows and treats them differently, right? Yeah. But by that third visit, they're wearing the normal cape. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the service degrades a little bit. I also think that we're forgiving people, right? So if I go in, but I like the stylist, but my hair wasn't perfect, I'll give her a second shot. That second shot maybe goes okay, but not great. And then that third time I call in cause she didn't rebook me, she's not available. And I go to a different salon. Yeah. Um, there's also quality issues there too. And other things that dig deeper. I think the the number one thing in my opinion, Anthony, and, and, um, it has to do with culture. It has to do with, does Anthony Whitaker make sense to me? Do we have things in common before we got on this call? We're talking about our kids. We're talking yeah. about the industry, we're talking about our travels, right? You and I could talk forever, you know, like we're on a first date, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but you know what? I've sat down in stylist chairs where I couldn't wait to get out of that chair. So mm. for me, the right part of the problem is we need to come up with a way to ask maybe just a couple questions, not to the point of annoyance, but a couple questions that might make me know that John's better sitting in Anthony's chair than he is sitting in Bill's chair. 
Yeah. Right. I think a match on personality or match on interests um, help. I think 50% of it's the style, especially for a guy. I mean, you can't mess this hair up too, too much. I mean, so for me, it's, do I enjoy going to that person? Do I enjoy conversing with that person? Do they make Mm. me laugh? Do they make me feel comfortable? Uh, Do all they want to do is talk about politics. I've had enough of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. But beyond Mm. that, I think it's something that the industry needs to figure out. I think that what I just said is probably 50% of it though. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, If if you were a, a salon owner, what would you say were the top five KPIs that you should focus on? What what are the you know the main drivers of business? Yeah, for me, I mean that's ingrained in my head. We call them the growth indicators. Um, I brought them to the industry in the mid '90s. One of the first, and I didn't invent them. I just took them from other industries. Oh, good! Because so I've stolen are. them. I've stolen them from you, by the way. I use them in one of my presentations. It's, yeah, you know what makes perfect. me mad? You, you <laughs> stole them, and then your presentation's better than mine. So now I'm starting to steal your presentation. So you're, you're, you know, what I mean? it all works out. Yeah, we're all drinking yeah. from the same trough at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah no, sorry, carry on. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, and I need to learn that accent. I think at least over here in the U.S., that accent, you're instantly smarter. You're instantly <laughs> you're just handsome. So um, I don't know if anybody likes American accents, but maybe maybe I get a, a check there. I think most people probably don't. Uh, anyway. No, I, I don't think you're reading that right. I think it's, you know, no matter where you're from, people always prefer that accent that's somewhere else. I think your accent yeah. is great, and I think a lot of people love it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So the indicators are new clients per month. Back to mm-hmm. what we were just talking about. We, if we're not driving new clients, then either our mm-hmm. reputation is flawed, we're not doing any marketing. And the bottom line is when we get into client retention, you need to fill the void of at least 15% of your repeat clients are going to fall off annually. They yeah. move, they die, unfortunately. Uh, they go to a, you know, you lose some of them just because for whatever reason, maybe you have a style that isn't retaining. But we need new clients per month. So you should be tracking that every month so you can just see, hey, we're maintaining 100, 150, or all of a sudden it drops to 70, then it's 60, then 50. You've got a problem and you don't want to wait until the revenue fall, falls also. So you want to watch that. Then the second thing is new client retention, what we just talked about. It's important when I bring in these 100 new clients that we do our best to retain them. How do we do that? We rebook and do other things. Rebook ties into the next thing that I love, which is frequency of visit. Um, Back to what you said, you know, we need to focus on bringing in new clients, but then we need to keep these repeat clients coming in at the right frequency. The easiest way to make money and increase a a salon uh, 15 to 20% overnight in the next 90 days is to implement a culture of rebook and increase that frequency of visit because the industry average, people can say whatever they want. The industry average is less than five visits a year. So one more visits on five is 20%. So if I get one more visit, I increase my business 20% per client, you know, per client. Mm. So, so new client, new clients per month, new client retention, frequency of visit. Let's get that frequency of visit up. Um, which ties into rebook. So I'd be tracking rebook percentage in there. Repeat client retention, all these clients coming in that are loyal to us. Let's keep them coming in. If we see that start dropping below 80% retention, then we want to go, Hey, what's going on here? You know, is it individual? So we have ways in our software to go and look at individuals, but look at the salon as a whole, you know, maybe you have two or three individuals that just aren't retaining anybody. And sometimes that not retaining isn't that they're terrible stylists. They're great stylists, but now they allow too many people in the chair so now the frequency dies down because, or the retention dies down because I can't get on on a, a Saturday for the next eight weeks to get my hair cut by Kathy. Mm. So all that stuff by monitoring it, you, it just brings so much 
intelligence that's not emotional intelligence. It's it's logical data intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one is average ticket. You know, people think that, you know, besides frequency of visit, being able to pop my my revenue 20%, the next thing's average ticket. You know, people start thinking really big. Well, when I'm sitting down coaching with a stylist, I'd say, listen, you just need $5, $10 a guest. Here's Here are the things that you could add on that are 5 and $10, a conditioning treatment, uh, whatever, you know, a product. Yeah. You know, so these aren't big things that can help move you forward. Uh, and increase that average ticket. So those are the five new clients per month, new client retention, repeat client retention, frequency of visit, again, tying rebook tracking in that and average ticket. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you listen to this, you should write those things down. You'll look at them and you go, well, there's nothing new there. It's that's really where the magic is. That's the secret sauce. It's it's do do the fundamentals, do them well, focus on those six things, and that is what drives your business. So uh, so thanks for that. Um, you, you you've already answered this question, but I just want to ask it again. I didn't realize you were in as many countries as you said with Millennium and Mevo. I think you said fifty two mm-hmm. with with Millennium, uh, twenty two with Mevo, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, do you see any differences like? you know, in different countries? Is, is there any like staggeringly different statistics that you see around any of these uh, criteria? Uh, not, not really, to, to be honest. What, what I see different in different countries are different requirements, like for Mexico or certain other countries, we have to do different receipts or certain requirements to show uh, a VAT number or, or whatever, a tax ID on the receipt, things like that. Um, the credit card processing, some differences, um, some laws around overtime or not, and things like that. But as far as these core things, I would say not not much right. of a difference. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty universal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's pretty much my experience too. I mean, you know, you sometimes see certain, certain countries have, you know, genuinely a higher level of retail sales as a percentage than, than others. Australia is often touted as being good in terms of the retail side of things, but but not dramatically different. You know, it's, it's not double or triple what you find elsewhere as a rule. Um, okay. Um, the other thing I want to touch you about with, with that connected to that sort of is that, you know, with this sort of changing business models, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, been a massive growth with the uh, salon suites in the United States and are starting, you know, to gather momentum in the Australian market as well. I just saw yesterday, actually, that someone else is opening salon suites in Australia. Uh, and there are variations on it in Europe. So wh- what I'm asking you is this, is with the changing business model, Salons seem to be getting smaller. There seems to be more of a, a business unit of one starting to to happen out there. How does that impact on how you do business and the technology that you develop? I know you said that the phone is already the most used device, but do smaller salons, smaller size businesses, one or two people, do, do they require? Do they have different needs as far as the technology goes? Do, do they need like a you know a light version? Mm-hmm. Um, so my opinion is no. So, uh, we, you know, they want to be able to operate off of a tablet or their phone because especially in a suite, it's a small, uh, footprint, uh, which we do. Um, they want sexy credit card devices, things like that to, to use. Um, we have wireless ones so they can just keep it on their station and the client can actually, um, insert their card there. And it's, you know, not even tethered to their phone or tablet at all. 
So we've yeah. developed and, and worked with that kind of technology. But here's what I tell people. And, and I even tell my salespeople when they're talking to an independent operator um, or even a suite owner is to me, you nailed it. A, uh, an independent operator is a salon of one. But guess what? New clients per month still matter. New client retention yep. still matters. Repeat client still matters. Average ticket mm-hmm. still matters. Rebooking still matters. So, um, you know, you could dial a version down, right? They don't need commissions. They don't need payroll because it's just them um, unless they have an assistant. Um, you know, they still need an appointment book. They still want to set goals, hopefully. Um, yep. So we, we tend to try to attract the independent operator or suite owners that are still savvy and care about the numbers. If all they care about is an appointment book and being able to ring up a sale, but they have no passion for the growth side of things and the reporting side of things and other things, then there's probably a better solution for them than us because our mm-hmm. system is going to give you that power, even as an independent operator, to really grow your business and 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 operate professionally, like you know, sending text message reminders, sending automatic emails if they haven't been in in 90 days. All these things still matter as an independent operator. Yeah, exactly. I, I know that you were one of the first to, you know, uh, have the online booking thing happening. What, what are your observations on what that's done for salon businesses? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, uh, first of all, I, ha- I go to a salon that actually doesn't use our online booking yet. And I every time okay. I'm there, I talk to the owner and I'm like, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I'm a client there and it's so <laughs> yeah. frustrating to me. Number yeah. one, the half the time you guys don't rebook me. Number two, I can't go on it Monday night and go, oh, you know, I want to see what's available tomorrow. And, yeah. um, and uh, so she's like, well, well, I'll give you a login into Mevo and you can just go look for yourself. I go, but that's not, that solves it for me. That doesn't solve it for everybody else. And so I keep picking her brain. And the reason people don't use online booking is they're afraid that the client booking isn't going to book the right service or book it the right way. And so we built a lot of things into Mevo to help with that. Number one, we build in logic so that they book a color in the cut or a a massage and a facial. It knows that the massage comes before the facial, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or let's say a facial and a makeup session. Well, you're not going to get a makeup session and a facial, right? We all know that that would make no sense. So Mevo allows you to create booking priorities. So when the client online books multiple services, it knows which ones should come first or not. That helps Mm -hmm. solve some of the frustration. We've also built what we call intelligent booking. So it knows that Anthony takes 30 minutes for a men's haircut, but maybe John only takes 20 minutes for a men's haircut. So that's built in there. We built in the ability to take a deposit for the larger services so that they don't worry about somebody booking online and no showing. Um, So a lot of it has to do with building in controls for the owner and manager so that they trust using online booking. But anybody that's not using online booking today are not meeting the, the, the needs or the wants of their clients because everybody oh, totally. expects it today. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 the woman who owns that salon that you're getting your hair cut and who doesn't have online booking, she, she probably finishes talking to you, gets her phone out, books an Uber to take her home. In the Uber on the way home, probably orders a pizza to get it delivered. I mean, it's just, it, it's mental, isn't it? Do you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's like you have to think of what the consumer wants and the consumer wants to book online. And, you know, I've known lots of salon owners that are resistant about online booking, uh, but I don't know any 
that go, oh, I started online booking a year ago and, you know, it was a waste of time. I wish I'd never done it. <laughs> they will all yeah. say there were teething problems. I had problems with color clients and, you know, that's the usual one. They'll say I had problems with color bookings. Yep. But everybody says they're amazed at how many people book a haircut appointment at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. Who, go figure. Who knows what people are doing at two o'clock in the morning? If someone wants to book an appointment in a salon, knock yourself out. You know, because right. if they can't get into yours, they're going to book it somewhere else's. That's so, right. And I we also built in things where you know they can't book it within two hours of the current time. Uh, so in other words, you know, somebody thinks they don't have a two o'clock, and all of a yeah. sudden a two o'clock pops in there at one forty-five, and they were going to go to lunch. So we've got all these controls in there, and, and on the color thing, that's. True, you know, oh, they booked a single. They should have booked a double process, or they didn't book the the the, the styling or the blowout afterwards and things like that. So what we've also built in is a catch-all where we actually added something to Mevo that um, anytime an appointment's booked online, you can set it up where you get a text message or an email, so you know exactly who booked what they booked. So you can go in there and go, oh, okay, she should have done a double, or she should. Oh, I noticed she didn't book a finishing style or whatever so you can contact the client but at least the client is in your book yeah exactly so to me that's the catch-all like let them do whatever they want let them do it wrong but at least now you know and you follow part of your thing is to follow up with those clients and make sure they're just booked correctly yeah and it's probably only 10 percent of them that do it wrong anyway you know the rest of them are often just booking the same thing again and again um you touched on earlier earlier on you said uh, uh smart center dashboard uh, talk to us about that for, you know, two or three minutes. I know I've, I've got a lot to get through and I know we don't yeah. have a lot of time. So to talk about what is the smart center dashboard and, and Mevo self. Yeah. So, so, um, Mevo dashboard, Mevo smart centers, um, we default about probably like a 10 different ones in there for you. Uh, uh, it can be service provider dashboards, could be front desk dashboard, manager dashboard, inventory manager dashboard, owner dashboards. And we kind of just assume the things that they would want. These KPIs we just talked about would be in there. On a stylist, we'd have their five-star reviews that Mevo automatically does for them. So they know for the day, for the week, how they're trending on their reviews. And they can click on it and see uh, see the actual reviews without seeing the client name. Um, so to me, like I said, I don't want a background of a software just to be a white screen and a logo. I want it to be the things that help them grow, that make a difference. And so these dashboards, we default some of them, but then they can create as many as their own. So they can put imagery in there that kind of matches their salon. They can actually put features in there. So dashboards, just imagine them as squares, you know, that have either numbers in it, or I might say appointment book. And if I click that, it brings me to the appointment book. Um, If I want to just have a, a, a smart center dashboard for first available men's haircut. I can actually create a combo that we talked about called HCM, let's say for haircut man. So uh, all it does when I click it is it finds all the first available men's haircuts for the next seven days by just touching a button. Um, And then the other part of it is, hey, what's my service revenue? What's my retail revenue? How am I doing against my goal? Um, Mevo lets you set monthly goals and it actually knows how to use artificial intelligence to bring it down to the day. So I know today what I need to do to hit that monthly goal. So yeah, the, the smart centers are exciting. You can color code the, uh, to match your theme. Like I said, you can put logos, you can choose colors, um, and you have over 150 KPIs you can drop in there. And then yeah. there's two versions of those KPIs. One is for the salon overall, which is really for the owner and manager. Mm-hmm. And then there was the ones we call the my tiles, my yeah. service sales, my retail sales. So the stylist is opening it up their book and getting 
exactly how they're doing in their world. So that's kind of the smart centers. The other thing you just mentioned is a cool feature we came out with for COVID, which is self-pay. It's that its client wants the most sanitary thing for them to pay with is their own phone. So we created during COVID, I dropped a couple features we were going to do. And I said, we need to step up to the plate and be the first people to have like almost like a Venmo for the client without using a Venmo. So we built right into Mevo. When you're going through the register right on your phone, you can add on the retail, do whatever you want. Maybe they have a gift card for $50. So you even take care of that right on the stylist could do that and say, okay, yeah, I've got your gift card here. But now there's a balance remaining of $75. They hit self-pay. It immediately sends a text to the client uh, that they then touch that is a really simple add your tip, close out, and uh, lets them self-pay. If they have a credit card on file, it's really fast. If they don't have a card on file just the first time, either the stylist or the client themselves put their card on file. And uh, it just makes checkout really, really fast. Yeah, really cool, really cool. Uh, that ties into this last thing I wanted to mention was about your ideas portal, uh, which I, I I love the idea of that. Do you want to do you want to talk to us about that and you know what sort of ideas you've got you know from from the community that they suggest? Yeah. So it's back to what I said. I think you know I always joke I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I think we are the best listeners in the industry, and I know that for a fact because our competitors were their R and D. They watch what we're doing and go, oh crap. <laughs> we need to do this. So uh, that's a fact. So, you know, any, even a competitor listening to this right now probably just chuckled. But, uh, you know, Millennium became the base system for many systems that came out, including the one I won't mention the name, but the one you and I were talking about beforehand. Uh, they've even given us credit for several things that they ended up doing. So how do we do that? We listen at trade shows. We listen at our annual conference. And we have this ideas portal that's available 24-7. So when they get an idea or they're in Mevo and they have frustration and want to see something different, they can go on the ideas portal and post it. And not only do they get to put their idea, all the other cu customers get to vote on that idea and say, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Or, eh, you know, that's not as important as some other things I'd like. And then our uh, vice president of product development uses the ideas portal um, as the kind of roadmap of what we're building. Why not build what people are asking for? Exactly. That's and um, yeah. And so then what we do is every release we do, we update the ideas portal and say, this is in the release. This is in the release. And what I think that drives is action. Like people who wants to go up there and put a bunch of ideas that you see never come to fruition. Yeah. So to be able to see whether my idea came to a fruition in this update or not, I see that these 58 items that people voted on are in the R3 release, you know, mm. and it's kind of makes it uh, worthwhile to put your idea because you know that it's being read and you know it's being considered. So it's yeah. been very, yeah. very, very good for us. We're, we've got a lot better at using technology, even with this COVID, our phone systems cloud, everything we do is cloud now. So when we had to shut down and open it from home the, the next day, um, we did it without a blip. The ideas portal is still going. We're still handling all of our development tools are all in the cloud. So it's just, um, it's good that we've actually spent the last six years really developing our internal uh, procedures, our internal systems, improving everything so that we're able to um, um, take care of our clients better and also communicate better in light of uh, especially everything that happened uh, this year. Yeah. What, what, what's, your, what's your big frustration then about, you know, Dealing with hairdressers, which we all know are fantastic people at so many different levels, uh, but then at other levels they can be challenging to deal with. 
uh, in business? Have you, have you got a particular frustration with the industry that you'd like to, you know, wave a magic wand and see it change? Uh, you know, I love the industry. I'm so glad the industry found me. I mean, if I was doing software for accountants and doctors, I probably would have retired by now. It's a mm. fun, beautiful industry. Having said that, uh, it's taken a while to get the industry to embrace these numbers and the things that we talk about. It's come a long way though. I mean, man, if I go back to the beginning, the early two thousands, it was a struggle. Now, um, you know, people like you, people, uh, other, even my competitors being able to, you know, track some of the stuff that we're doing, um, just really brings it to light more. So, but I think where I get a little frustrated is when, uh, you know, people get, they, they invest in a system like Millennium Amiibo or whatever system uh, they invested in and they get the daily operations going so they can open their drawer, the drawer, they can ring up sales and they can book appointments and then they stop. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. someone will say, Hey, how do you like, I'll just say, how do you like XYZ software? Eh, it's okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, there's 200 reports. They're not watching. They're not tracking these KPIs. They're not setting up their smart centers. They're not setting the offsite and onsite security so that they can actually allow the system to be used in a more flexible way. So I guess where I get frustrated is it is uh, you know, pretty much a right brain industry. And I get that. Um, but at the same time, when a salon owner opens a salon, they've kind of committed to some tickling that left brain a little bit and, and, and being a business owner, and yeah. also they want to see their stylist grow. So part of that is uh, setting up a system that allows the stylist to get excited about these numbers too and educated on them and help grow. So, so that's about it. I mean, I love the industry. It's just um, getting them to do their homework and take the time it takes to really uh, utilize the systems that they're, uh, they've invested in so that they're getting the true benefit out of it. Um, or like I just said, you know, somebody not using online booking today, it's like, you, you're not listening to your clients. Yeah, you exactly. Um, you don't listen to yourself. So those, those little things. But in general, I really love the industry. Yeah, no, me too. Me what? too. Where, where, where do you see it in, in uh, the next three to five years? What do you think the salon industry is going to look like in that amount of time? Bigger, smaller, bigger salons, small salons, think, more independents? Uh, it does seem to be going the way of smaller. It does be seem to be going the way of a lot of independents. I mean, not, you know, there's still going to be a lot of independently owned salons and commissioned salons. Uh, or team-based lines, all that stuff's still going to exist. I think on the technology side where I see it going is just more artificial intelligence. You know, yeah. uh, stylists don't like selling retail. They don't like trying to upsell gift cards and packages, but why couldn't a system be more intelligent to do that? Uh, a lot more artificial intelligence on knowing exactly who will most likely take that slot tomorrow that's open uh, based on um, who they normally go to, what days they like to come in, what time they like to come in. Like a lot of intelligence rather than just blasting out a thousand uh, emails, there might be five text messages that go out and boom, that spot gets taken. Um, a lot of that. And and again, I think back to uh, where things will be, I think there won't be big clunky front desks. I think there'll still might be some front desks, but they're not mm-hmm. going to be big and clunky. They're going to be small and more agile and a lot of, uh, of uh, self-pay going on at the chair, rebooking at the chair chair side checkout. I think that's where the world's going. And whether you're independent, whether you're um, home-based, whether you're uh, a salon that's pretty big and commissioned, uh, that still makes sense. So I think little by little, uh, people are going to catch up to what we've done with Mevo and, and they're going to expect things to work on their phone and, and to work wherever they are. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you touched on artificial intelligence. It's a whole nother podcast. So we're, we're going to have yeah. to leave that uh, because I, I know I would love to talk to you more about the future and, you know, artificial intelligence and where that's where that's taking us all. And you just touched on some of that then. But unfortunately, we need to wrap up. Whereabouts can people uh, connect with you, John? What social media channels would you like to point people towards? Yeah, so we have a Millennium Systems International Facebook page. We also have a Mevo 2 community page. Uh, I'm John Harms uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm all over the place. I jump on um, all different uh, sites and groups that are set up. Uh, I, I don't try to push my software. I just love being part of the industry and listening and participating. So you, there's a lot of people out there that just see me pop up all over or answering a question somebody asks and maybe they're not even using my software but um i just really love supporting the industry so uh and then on instagram i think we're speak millennium speak right. millennium i think is our instagram okay i will make sure i put all those links in on the show notes on the grow my salon business website so if you're listening to this podcast with john harms and enjoyed it then please do me a favor take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your instagram stories and tag us in it so to wrap up John Harms, thank you very much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. It's, as usual, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You're a real uh, you know, uh, information source for me, and I really appreciate your integrity and honesty and, and, and wisdom that you've shared with us today. So uh, any final words for our listeners? I would just say uh, everybody hang in there. I know globally we've all had to deal with this pandemic um, I think it's been an opportunity to grow closer and build a culture and make sure that your culture is reinforced. Um, but I think it's time to move forward, keep positive, uh, get past this and just get back to letting our clients come in and sit down and talk about their problems and, uh, make them look beautiful. So stay positive. We're all going to get through this. And, uh, I really love this industry and I, I appreciate all the support you've given us through the years. So thank you. And thank you, Anthony. Cheers, John. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.